This is State of Water. This is State of this Water. This is State of Water. This is State of Water. State of Water coming at you right now. State of Water, a podcast focusing on clean water issues and their relationship to policy, equity, community, and climate. Featuring captivating interviews with Michiganders from many walks of life, State of Water is the official podcast of the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan, a program of the nonprofit organization Title Track. Hey, this is Jenny from Title Track. If you resonate with what you're about to hear, put those feelings into action. Take the first step toward getting involved by going to titletrackmichigan.org slash contact to sign up for our mailing list. Welcome back, friends. Thanks for lending your ears. We're thrilled to bring you an inspiring conversation with Annalise Povolo, Director of Administration and Programs for the Lake Leelanau Lake Association, in episode 32 of State of Water. Annalise is an aquatic ecologist who grew up in the area deeply connected to the same Lake Leelanau waters that she now cares for and works to protect. After spending some time away from Michigan with studies and adventures, she chose to return to this area, bringing with her a tremendous toolbox of skills and perspectives. In her work with the LLLA, she not only does the scientific work at hand, such as managing and preventing invasive species, but also the human-centric work of educating, advocating, and motivating citizens to do what they can to care for and protect the waters, even in the midst of challenges that may at times feel daunting. We hope you enjoy this conversation between Annalise and State of Water host Seth Bernard and invite you to take to heart Annalise's story as a beautiful example of how each of us can do our part to to show up and protect the waters in our own backyard. Hello, Annalise. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. So you are an aquatic ecologist. And I'm curious if you could tell our listeners a little bit about what that means, what the process was of of getting your master's and how that is applied. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, aquatic, that means it involves the water. And ecology is the study of ecosystems. So the organisms, the environment they're in, and their interactions. So I got involved in this kind of world at a pretty young age. I was always raised by, I call it a fishy family. My family loved going fishing. I spent so much time on the lake as a kid, swimming, fishing, just being in the water as much as possible. But then when I was 12 years old, I started working at Carlson's Fishery in Leland. I'm, I'm from Lake Leelana. Um, and so I started to get this understanding at a very young age as I'm observing these fishermen, these people who rely on the resources that come from the water and seeing how, how their reliance on this resource impacts their life and, and the economy and everything around it. So getting that understanding from a young age really 
just taught me about that connection between humans and water and that which lives in it. And so having that understanding and then growing up in Leelanau County with such natural beauty and the pristine waters, it just instills in you this desire to want to protect it, right? So that's what I was motivated to do as I went off to college. I went to the University of Michigan for my undergrad and studied fisheries and aquatics. And at that time, I was not entirely ready to dive into the human aspect. Mm -hmm. Humans are very complicated. And that was a bit scary to me. I was like, ah, that's messy. I don't want to deal with that. Fish are about as opposite from humans as you can get. So I'm going to study them. <laughs> so I studied fish for a while, worked for the DNR, and, and was, was really into more biology of fish. And then I started traveling a lot more. I spent the majority of the past 10 years abroad and living in different countries and seeing all these different cultures and how they interact with their environment. And as I was kind of going around and learning about all these different places and seeing how the environment is impacted by different human behaviors, there was one thing that became abundantly clear to me, and that was that you cannot protect the environment unless you deal with people. Mm. And so I kind of swallowed that pill and then that motivated me or, or guided me into my master's program, which was uh, aquatic ecology. And the program that I specifically chose was in Germany, and it had a really big emphasis on human behavior and human-based conservation. So, and more social science work. Um, and so that's what really kind of got me on the path that I'm on, that I'm following today. Um, I currently deal a lot with invasive species, but a lot of what I do is, yes, looking at the ecology and looking at the human impact on things, but then also really going into that human impact and seeing what we're doing, how we can fix it, and, and how we can motivate people to fix mm. the problems that we create. Awesome. So that's a bit about what I do. That's so great. Thank you for what you do. My pleasure. And I love that your story is a real hero's journey. And, and I think, you know, part of what makes you such a rock star is that you chose to come home. And I think our culture discourages that in some ways, trying to teach us to go find what we're looking for, fame, fortune elsewhere, and to not sort of look after the place that brought us up. And you, you did your traveling and you explored the world and here you are caring for this lake that was such a huge part of your identity growing up and a part of your, you know, your joy and your reality. And I just want to thank you for that. And I hope that other people are inspired by you to do similar work. It's very meaningful. Thank you. Yeah, it's I get, I kind of get that a lot because so many people know that I spent a lot of time abroad and mm -hmm. I just think, you know, I, I needed that time to get away from little Leelanau County where I grew yeah. up. But once you're away, you really start to realize how good it is here. And you just I it was so nice to be able to take all of these things that I learned abroad and then direct them to where my heart really is. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And and that was your calling. It's not everybody's, you know, some people do need to leave or some people just want to stay and, and not go on, you know, their walkabout. But I love that it, you've landed very recently now 
in a position with the Lake Leelanau Lake Association, the LLLA. And um, I, you're their only paid employee, correct? I am. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, what are you up to? Tell, tell us <laughs> what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, so um, the Lake Leelanau Lake Association has been in, in existence for about 40 years now, but hadn't really had anything that warranted having a full-time employee. But in 2019, a very invasive, invasive species was discovered in Lake Leelanau, Eurasian water milfoil, which is an aquatic invasive plant. Um, and it has the capacity to completely take over a lake. It can grow all the way up to the surface in these huge mats where it gets to the point that you can't swim through it, you can't drive a boat through it, and it basically makes your lake unusable. So that was discovered in 2019, and the Lake Association, realizing that it was a huge problem that they needed to get on top of immediately, then partnered with the Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indians to start to tackle this problem. And so through that partnership, they came up with a solution using non-chemical control and largely was a combination initially between um, hand pulling the plant with scuba divers and then putting barriers on top of them. So like big blankets so that they can't get any light and then they can't photosynthesize. So then the plant dies. So that's how I got involved. I am a scuba diver and I knew the lake biologist. I've known him all my life. And so he got a hold of me and said, hey, I need a diver. And so that's how I got involved with the project in 2000, uh, in 2020. And then just worked as the scuba diver, hand pulling, doing scientific monitoring, helping laying these barriers. Um, and I did that for two years as I was still doing my master's. And then once I graduated, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, where I was going to go. And I thought, you know, I'd really like to get more involved with this project. This is the lake that I grew up on. And if I have a chance to use the skills that I have, that I've gained over these past years of studying and learning to protect the lake that I grew up on, like, absolutely. So I got a hold of the Lake Association and they, because they have now had to deal with this huge threat, they have just a need for a person to be there full time. So now I am the director of administration and programs and the dive team leader. So I not only do all of the work related to controlling Eurasian water milfoil in Lake Leelanau, but I also deal with a lot of other aspects to protect the lake, water quality testing, um, prevention of invasive species through boat cleaning stations and education, um, the other ways in which we can protect our lake as riparians, as people who live on the lake from the shore by planting natural shorelines and uh, rain gardens, ways in which to filter the water as it goes through the groundwater and the watershed and above land as well before it gets to the lake. So I'm dealing with a lot more human-centered activities in my work now so that we can, and a, and a lot of this is education because there's just so many little things that people really can do to protect water. But if you 
don't have the expertise to know these things, then how can you do them? So that's a lot of what I'm focusing now in the off season when I'm not scuba diving every day in the summer is a lot about education. Okay. Yeah. Great. You know, you're lifting up uh, an issue that I think is, is difficult for people to wrap their minds around and that's invasives. And it's such a, it's such a big problem. I think I, I come across a lot of people who just feel overwhelmed or they sort of see, you know, invasives as an issue where it's like, okay, well, it's too late. There's invasives that have, you know, taken over Lake Michigan, for example, quagga mussels and zebra mussels. But you, you lifted up a couple things. One is that it's not just the Great Lakes. It's our inland lakes and, and rivers and streams that also have to deal with invasives. And also there's many approaches that we can take to, to mitigate harm and to, and to work together and to deputize people. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about maybe just your journey of understanding with invasives and how you, you know, see the holistic problem and how big it is, but also um, see meaning in taking these action steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a complicated topic to work in. Um, there are days when I deal with invasives and I go underwater and I go into this huge infestation of Eurasian water milfoil. And you just look at this and you're like, how could I possibly make an impact? And there are some days that are incredibly discouraging in the work that I do because invasive species are really good at one thing and that's invading. They're, they're competitors. They outcompete the native plants and they're so good at what they do. Amazing from a biological perspective, really. Um, but from a human perspective and seeing the impacts of these plants, not, not quite as incredible. Um, so it can definitely be difficult. I definitely understand where some people look at this and say they're here. They're not going anywhere. What are we going to do about it? It's just too much work. And I understand that to some extent for some things that kind of are able to get to that point of no control. Quagga mussels, zebra mussels, they're not going anywhere. But if you can work on the prevention side and what we call early detection, rapid response, then you have a chance of actually dealing or controlling these species and giving your native ecosystems a, a chance to survive, to combat. Um, that's why a lot of the work that I do in Lake Leelanau is successful, because as soon as this species was detected, a plan was developed to control it. But if people see them, don't say anything, because especially in the water, a lot of these species are hard to find. If, if, if you're not looking underwater with scuba divers or GoPros or drones, how are you going to find these things? So... If you don't have a way to detect them, you're not going to be able to control them. So humans even reporting anything that they see that doesn't look like something they had seen before, maybe it's going to be native, but maybe it is invasive. And there's a great link that I can provide later uh, for the state where you can report invasive species that you think you found. And right. that is a huge step in being able to control these these species before they get out of control thank you for that yeah we'll include that link when we release the podcast right 
Yeah. So you're you're really in every aspect of, of the work from actually being underwater to like educating people to doing the admin stuff. Um, as a musician, like it's interesting the further you go into learning music and, and learning sort of the mechanics of it. Um, I find that the more it sort of infiltrates your enjoyment of, of music. So like, for example, if I'm at a concert, I'm noticing things about the performance that maybe other people aren't in terms of what people are playing or their intonation and music theory, things like that. I'm wondering as an aquatic ecologist, if you're just out swimming in the lake or, or you're scuba diving for fun, um, what that experience is, is like for you, if you could like bring us into that. Yeah, absolutely. It has vastly changed for me as I've started to learn more. And, and, and especially now that I work in this area that I grew up in, but now I'm so focused on invasive species and natural shorelines and things like that. I, anytime I'm walking by water, anyone I'm walking with knows to stop because I have to look in and I have to see what plants are growing there every time. And if I'm swimming, I am just, I'm opening my eyes underwater and checking out, seeing what I, what I can find. Boating, going for, you know, a nice little cruise on a boat, not working. I'm still looking, oh, they have a nice natural shoreline. Oh, they could use some work there. You know, it's, it's constantly a part of my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it's, it's like putting on goggles that change your vision, but now I can't take them off. I notice also just driving around the lake when I'm just going wherever. And I, I see this lake that I grew up on and I now have even more love for it than I had before. I think of myself kind of as its protector and it, I just, wow. it really impacts how I feel about it and motivates me so much more to to do the work that I have to do to protect this lake. Absolutely. It's a big deal. And I'm curious to hear more about your approach to helping people see things that you see that they might not. Um, and to to sort of how how you approach that dance of onboarding people, of helping bringing people in without completely overwhelming them in ways that you might be, you know, experiencing what we're up against right yeah it's it's definitely a balance um you something that i learned through my years of studying environmentalism and environmental education is you can't just bombard people with all of these issues and all of the bad things that are happening to the environment and not provide them with the solution because then people just get completely overwhelmed and give up so introducing what is going on, what these problems are, and then combining that with these are the things you can do. I think that's the best strategy. So for our strategy with the Lake Association, we have a series of online publications that we put out monthly, multiple times a month during certain times of the year on these issues. And we try to make them as readable and approachable as possible so that people aren't getting, you know, weighed down with all this technical jar jargon that they can't understand. Um, so just giving brief introductions on these topics. This is the impact of having a lawn that goes all the way up to the lake. 
and this is this this and this that affects the water quality because of that but this is what you can do you can plant these natural shorelines you can use coconut logs that prevent erosion from happening along the shoreline and just giving all of these little solutions and then also offering the ability to talk with us so if people still have questions being there and being available so that when people are not ready to do that on their own we can hold their hand through it awesome yeah that's so great and i i think people feel empowered in that way where maybe they've identified an issue or or they've it's come to their awareness in some way but um the more we can provide action points and ways for them to be engaged um, especially people living on the water like you're you know you're dealing with a lot of people who are living on lake leelanau and that's a that's a really important thing to them so if they can be empowered to be it they're the steward of the lake that they're living on that that's like a lifelong piece of their identity absolutely yeah as it as as it is for yours increasingly i i like to ask guests who have devoted themselves to this good work what they do to resource themselves when it does feel overwhelming so so what do you do what are some things in your life that are really resourcing for you um in the face of you know what we're up against in terms of um of of how serious it is from an ecological standpoint, both locally and globally? Yeah, that's that's a great question because that is something that when you spend your time and as much time as, as people like me do working on these issues, it can be really easy to just get completely bogged down with all of the work there is to do. Um, and I've definitely had days where I come home and I'm just like... How are we going to do this? How, how possibly? But you're not going to accomplish anything if you don't try. And you're also not going to accomplish everything. But if we get enough people who are doing a little bit and are doing the best they can with these best practices that you can do to protect the environment, then you can start to gain some momentum. And it's, it's that, just that little by little. My, my uncle has this great phrase. Inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yard by yard, life is hard. Mm. That's kind of what I follow. You know, I have my whole list of things that I have to accomplish in a year, but I'm not going to start my day looking at my year to-do list. I'm going to break it down day by day and say, this is what I have to do here, here, and here so that I can then get that big goal. But I'm not going to solve all the world's problems in a day. But if we have enough people who are solving the little problems that then culminate into big problems, then we can get somewhere. Yes, I love that. Inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yard by yard, life's hard. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to take that one with me. <laughs> you write a song about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of songs, let's talk about music. Yeah. Um, you go to Bliss Fest, you're a music fan. How does music play into your work? Yeah, um, I've been I've been a music lover all my life, and it's kind of something. I think music is a way of expression, right? And sometimes 
you're like I I connect music to the environment a lot because you look at these beautiful landscapes, seascapes, looking over a lake, and sometimes it's just too much for you to put into words. And you get these profound feelings and you don't know how to express them. And that's kind of why I think music is so special to me, because that's how I connect to to these big feelings that you might feel, but might not be able to otherwise express. And so my like one of my absolute favorite things is just looking out at nature and listening to music, something that has a connection, something that I that makes me feel more and just make sense of the things that I'm feeling and, and feeling the need to express. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, well articulated. Um, so this is a question that I ask all of our guests at the end of the interview, and it's a music question. Um, let's just say hypothetically, you can choose any artist of all time to do a benefit for the Lake Leelanau Lake Association. Who do you choose? Of all time, all history? Yep. Okay. That's really difficult. But um, if I could bring bring someone, I would probably choose Etta James. Ooh, great choice. Why Etta James? She just really speaks to my soul. She gives me those, the, you know, those soul feelings that, that you, you can't describe, but that when you hear that music and it vibrates through your body, you feel something. Yes. That's the kind of connection feeling that I think motivates people to do something. Awesome. I got to see Etta James um, before she passed. It was 20 years ago at the Jazz Fest in New Orleans. It was phenomenal. Amazing. Yeah, really, really powerful. Well, Annalise, thank you so much for the work that you do. Where can people find out more about what you're up to? Yeah, so um, you can go to our website, lakelilanaw.org. That has a lot of information about all of our activities and our um, publications uh, site or page. Then you can see weekly updates on what we're doing and what we're up to. Um, that's probably the best way. I, I create a lot of that content. So that's a good, good way to show what I'm doing. <laughs> Great. And one of the things that we, we try to support with, with this podcast is not only people coming and supporting the work that you do, but people being inspired by what you do and hopefully replicating it in some ways in their communities. So thank you for, for your inspiration. Uh, hope that things go really well for you through the, the cold weather months and, um, and wishing you a lot of inspiration as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Take care. Powered by the Clean Water Campaign for Michigan. This campaign represents an opportunity to help place clean water issues front and center 
by partnering with environmental organizations across the state, by educating voters, and by urging every candidate running for public office to make a strong stand on critical issues affecting Michigan's waters. Using storytelling and music events across the state to amplify the groundswell of public support for clean water issues, this campaign is driven by Michiganders from all walks of life who share a similar priority, protection of our water. Both State of Water and the Clean Water Campaign are programs of the Michigan-based nonprofit Title Track. Their mission, engaging creative practice to build resilient social ecological systems that support clean water, racial equity, and youth empowerment.